Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration where we love uh, celebrating Jesus, uh, especially when we can do it on uh, Valentine's Day, because uh, then we can say, you know, you're God's Valentine's. And I know it sounds cheesy, but it's really only one time a year you can say that phrase. Uh, we have this new thing that we're going to try in March. It's called Meet, Men Eating and Talking. It's a fellowship event for men. It's going to take place on Thursday, March 14th at Wagner's Restaurant, and we're just asking men to invite other men to come hang out uh, for some food, a time of fellowship, and ladies, we'll come up with a thing for you down the road. We want to make sure this one works first uh, before we try something else. Uh, so Thursday, March 14th, 5.30 p.m., mark your calendars, uh, come hungry, because I think, again, we're going to have way too much food uh, for this. But if you do come, invite other men uh, to come with you. That being said, I want to share something with you before we pray for the offering. And if you're here visiting or just checking us out, let this be our gift to you. Do not feel obligated to give. But I want to share a passage of scripture with you, and it's from Exodus uh, chapter 35, when they were building the temple, right? Uh, in Exodus 35, this is what it says, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold and silver or bronze, right? Now, here's the thing. I want to put this up in the King James Version uh, because where it says everyone who is willing, uh, in the King James Version, it actually shows you where it says whosoever is of a willing heart. And if you look in the Hebrew, it's actually two words. It's not just willing, it's a willing heart. Because even though God commands us to give, the expectation from God is only those people with a willing heart should give. That's why Jesus later says no one should give reluctantly, no one should give out of compulsion. Uh, Paul says it multiple times. The whole aspect of giving is, yes, they were giving to build the temple and to maintain the temple, but God made it crystal clear. If you're not willing to give, don't do it. As you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated. So Valentine's Day is coming up this week. And um, let me just say on behalf of all the husbands to all the wives, we love you more than you can imagine. Right? Um, let me also say to all the husbands, that doesn't mean that you don't have to still go out and get a gift. You still do. But um, this is Valentine's week, and we're talking about God's love. We spoke a lot about it last week as we were making our way through First uh, John, right? And the focus was talking about God's unconditional love, right? How we're recipients of his unconditional love, uh, but also how God says, don't take that unconditional love that he gives to us and focus it on things of the world. And he uses a specific word, agape love, right? John uses that throughout and we talked about how uh, the different words for love, there's phileo, which is for brotherly love. There's eros, which is for romantic love. 
but then that word agape love is the unconditional devotion and love that God shows to us, and we're not supposed to take that and show it to uh, things of the world. And I'm going to put those verses up again, but I'm going to put them up in the amplified version because they kind of expand on the language. So in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 15 says this, do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. And that word love is agape love. So do not give unconditional devotion and love or cherish right, the world or the things that are in the world. Because he says, if anyone loves, again, agape gives that unconditional devotion that God shows to us, to the world, then the unconditional love for the Father is not in him. And then he explained why. And we spent a little bit of time talking about this last week. He says, for all that is in the world, and this is why I put it up in the Amplified Version, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, right? And that's that craving for sensual gratification, the things that make us feel good. And we said, not all of those things are wrong, but those things are not from God. And if we put them first, it ends up separating us from God. When we struggle and, and fight for and put our attention on the lust or the flesh or craving for sensual gratification or the lust of the eyes, right? The greedy longings of the mind, right? Those things that we see, like, like I said last week, I would love to have a $300,000 car because they are so cool. I don't have a $300,000 car job. And if I've spent all my time and energy trying to focus on getting money for the things that I want, then you miss time spending with family and friends and loved ones. So he says the lust of the flesh, uh, the lust of the eyes, the greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, the assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. That doesn't mean we can't be proud of what we accomplish. That doesn't mean we can't be proud if we have victories in life and we overcome trials in life. But when we put the focus on us, like it's all about me, like Floyd is the end all and be all of everything that happens in the world, all praise Floyd, that might be a problem, especially because then you guys are going to praise Floyd, right? Uh, but he says these things don't come from the Father. They come from the world himself. And then he says the world passes away and disappears. And with it, the cravings, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in life abides or remains forever. Right? So all these things, if we put our, our, our time, our attention, our undivided, uh, our, our commitment and love and devotion and obsessiveness over achieving these things, we kind of miss what God has in store for us. Now, I did say this, and we have to make this clear. Uh, he isn't saying that we can't be fond of, we can't have affection for, we can't enjoy the things in the world, but we shouldn't give them our unconditional love and devotion and obsess over them and make them our priority in life. I must achieve this. I got to get this. I got to get that, right? Because when we go headlong after these things, then we end up separating ourselves from friends, from family, and from God. When we take that unconditional love that God gives to us and says, I'm going to give it to making money, to getting bigger houses, to getting bigger cars. I'm going to give it to uh, sensual pleasures, whatever makes me feel good. I'm going to give it to putting myself up on a pedestal. Then we end up separating ourselves from friends. We end up separating ourselves from our family. And we end up separating ourselves from God, right? 
Because that's what it does when we put these things first. Now, uh, here's the thing. As we said last week, um, again, nothing wrong with being fond of these things, but when we try to devote and, and, and make them a priority and give our unconditional love to these things, we separate ourselves from our family and we separate ourselves from God's unconditional love. And God's unconditional love, we don't have to work for it. We don't have to do anything to achieve it. All we have to do is receive it, as the Bible says, uh, just uh, as we hear the word of truth, the gospel, that Jesus uh, died for our sins according to the scriptures and rose from the dead according to the scriptures, and we believe it, then we become recipients of God's unconditional love. And to make sure that we know that, God gives us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our eternal inheritance. So we are supposed to be recipients of God's unconditional love, but we're not supposed to take that same type of unconditional love and focus it on things of the world. Now, uh, John goes on and says this. Uh, this is how God showed his love among us. And again, that word love, his unconditional love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Because once we receive God's Holy Spirit... Now we can live like God wants us to, according to his morality, according to his justice, and showing unconditional love to one another. Because John said, you know, we should love, and he uses that same word, agape, one another. And Jesus said, the way the world will know that you're followers of Jesus Christ is if you show unconditional love to one another. That is the one and only thing on the whole planet where God gives us free license to show unconditional love to one another. I've had conversations in men's groups uh, with men all this week because people are just, I don't know, for some reason, uh, losing their mind over Taylor Swift. And I'm like, before this, have you ever even listened to her music? I mean, this is a men's group, right? They're not going out and spending thousands of dollars to get Taylor Swift tickets but they're losing their mind. And I was like, hey, think about it for a minute. Just as, you know, in this men's group, we're supposed to show unconditional love to one another, what if instead of showing hate and losing your mind over it, you just, two options, just show some love to Taylor Swift. Glad for what you've done. You've accomplished a lot, go you, and I guarantee you she's not gonna see it. So you should default to the second option, just keep scrolling through the internet. You don't have to comment on everything you see. Just keep scrolling, right? Because she's not going to see it anyway. But this, this is what we're supposed to do. And he, John says, this is what love is. He defines it. This is what agape, unconditional love is. Not that we have unconditional devotion and love for God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love from the world, he said, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Love from God's perspective is not about self. It's about giving himself to others so that we can be a part of this family. Those are two totally different things. One is I'm focused on love for the world and what I can accomplish. Another one is I'm experiencing the love of God and how can I share that love with others, right? Those are two totally separate and different things. So um, here's the thing. One is our love for God is a reaction to God's unconditional love for us because we talked about last week that we can't share that unconditional love on our own. 
It takes God showing it to us before we can turn around and share it to others. And before God shows it to us, most of us are in that place of loving the things of the world, loving uh, the things that might hurt us, loving the things that separate us from God, and loving the things that separate us from friends and family. And I thought that this message was so important that instead of me continuing to sprout on about what it is, uh, I wanted to have two people come up and share their experience where God took them from loving the things of the world, separation from friends and family, to experiencing God's unconditional love to the point where they were able to turn around and give it to others. So uh, those of you who don't know them, and many of you do, uh, Adam and Heather, I'm going to ask you guys to come up. They lead our uh, uh, recovery small group. They also lead the Coffee Recovery in Jesus podcast. And, um, you know, because we're Pittsburgh people, as they come up, we can give them a hand. Hello, Crossroads. How are you guys today? Good. My name's Adam, and uh, I want to I share my testimony about God's unconditional love. Um, I, I'm here today, and that is God's unconditional love, because I should not have been here today at all. I should have been dead twice in my life. Um, that just shows me uh, that God's love is unconditional, and he loves me for who I am, not what I can bring to the table. There's no strings attached to his love. It's, it's offered freely. And for a very long time, I, I did not even look at that situation, you know. I was an entitled, I was an entitled person. I was uh, e ego. Uh, I was self-centered. Um, it was all about me. I, I used to live by the, by the acronym WIFM, WIIFM, what's in it for me? That's how I used to live. I used to be selfish. Uh, if there was nothing in the situation that uh, was in it for me, I just really wasn't doing it, you know? That's how I used to live my life for plenty of years. And um, to be honest with you, I'm on a new journey. Uh, I'm on a new way of life. And, you know, I, I really didn't do anything. Maybe a few small suggestions. But God found it, found it necessary to save me. And uh, for that, I am eternally grateful uh, because I was on a bad path in my life. Um, we won't get into the war stories or whatever the case may be, but uh, I was either going to end up in jail or dead, and, um, and that's how I was living, you know. Um, a little bit of background about me is, uh, you know, I, I went to private school um, for, you know, up until 10th grade, and I did learn about Jesus. I did learn about God. But there came a point when I was just so so tired of having it shoved down my throat, you know. Um, and that became a resentment for me, you know. 
And to be honest with you, the only reason that I basically stayed up until 10th grade in private school is one, my parents got divorced and my mom was a single mother and she could not, she could not uh, afford the tuition. So I had to go to uh, public school. I'm not saying anything wrong with private, or with public school. I'm just saying it was a different way of life. Um, when I was in public school, uh, never carried a notebook, never carried a book, never studied, you know, um, because I was the man, you know. Uh, idle hands. I got into some situations with bad people, you know. I got into situations with drugs and alcohol. And, you know, I did some things that I'm, I'm not very proud of. And personally, that just shows me today God's unconditional love. Um, I'm, I'm truly blessed by the life that I have now, the life that God has saw fit for me to have. Um, and like I told you guys, I, I, I haven't... I haven't done anything, you know, maybe a few, maybe a few suggestions, but every, everything that I have today, I owe to God, mm -hmm. definitely. Um, you know, I, I, have a, uh, I have a nice house. I have uh, uh, anemones as far as water, gas, you know, the necessities, and he has he has provided for me you know uh, a, a person that uh basically put god up on a shelf and just i'll get to you later you know and living the way that i was living i i wasn't i wasn't grateful at all i was more of a, an entitled person um Today I have gratitude in my life. You know, today I, I look at what I have and not materialistic things. Like I, I have everything that I need. I don't have a million dollars. I don't have a $300,000 car, you know, um, but I don't need one. As long as I, I, I realize and I keep in the front of my mind that whatever happens, God got my back. Uh, I was diagnosed with MS in 2019, and you know that was a very dark time for me. Um, I was I was taking high-powered medication to keep me going, and I also was washing it down with Jack Daniel's honey, and uh, that cost me. That cost me. That cost me my wife. That caught that cost me as far as going into deep depression. That that caused you know that cost me relationship with my family. You know a relationship with my daughter, uh, who's 25 right now. Um, and you know since I since I've been on the path back to Jesus Christ Himself. Um, I have found that I don't have everything that I want, 
but I do have everything that I need. And, you know, I, I, God's love is unconditional. And to me, that means there are no strings attached to his love. You know, it's free. Take it. All I have to do is seek him out. You know, it just, just look around. Look, look at, look at crossroads. Uh, this is, everybody is a testament of God's unconditional love, you know, and I'm just so blessed today because, number one, I have been restored into a place of acceptance with my family. Uh, you know, I, I have rebuilt a relationship with my daughter, you know. I have, I have a wonderful fiancé, you know. I have light. I have heat. I have to count my blessings every day. And it, that's God's unconditional love and how that works in my life is uh, I've done some bad things. I take responsibility for what I have done. But through it all, I'm here, I'm standing, and that's a testament to God's unconditional love and what that means to me. Um, I have, I've been blessed. I've been blessed with, you know, acceptance from my family. My daughter um, is now back in my life. And, you know, honestly, really, I just have to take it one day at a time and keep seeking, keep seeking, keep searching for God. You know, he will reveal himself if I just look hard enough. And it's every day. It's every day that I have to work for it. And I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at all, you know. And God still loves me, period. That is unconditional love, you know. The unconditional love that I am sitting here today. I've been through battles, alcohol, drugs, you know, separation from my family, separation from my daughter. And with that, I, I pray, I pray that, you know, that I am kept on the path that I am on now because I've been blessed with more than I can imagine, more than I deserve, you know, period. And, uh, you know, there, there was times in my life when, you know, a wedge, as I spoke about earlier, a wedge was put between God and myself, and uh, nothing, nothing good came about that situation, you know. Um, when... When I finally got sober, um, February 14th of 2001, um, I, I kind of was unsure about the God thing because I have had it pounded into my skull for so many years that there was a resentment there. Um, but ever since the day that I found the God of my understanding, which is God and Jesus Christ. Things have been going 
relatively well. I have been blessed, you know, beyond beyond my dreams. You know, I look at myself and I like, what did I do? I didn't do anything except dive into the word, dive into um, my work. I work at the Blessing Board in West Mifflin, and every day that I go to work, I'm humbled, truly, because very easily, you know, I could have been one of our clients uh, to to come to the blessing board and receive freely. And there it is again, that's unconditional love. I'm blessed that I have a job when, where I can work behind the scenes and directly bless somebody, doing for them what God did for me. And that was that was blessing. That was a, a blessing. Um, with with working there, it has brought humbleness. It has brought gratitude to me. You know, it's just an amazing feeling because I I see people up front directly without the basic necessities of life, and you know, I never I never questioned. Well, what happens if I don't have a bed? Or what happens if I don't have a washcloth? What happens? And today I'm able, I'm able to give back for what God did for me. And that's a truly, truly humbling experience because I was always the person who was the taker. I always took, I took time, I took money. I took relationships, I took love, I took it all for granted. And basically, I wasted it. I wasted a lot of people's time, wasted a lot of people's money. And today, I like to think of myself as a giver, you know? I like to think that God is working through me and, um, one day at a time, I just take it, you know, keep praying, keep going on in my life, you know. Things have happened to me that are not so great, and like I said, I'm not going to go into that, but I, I'm i okay. God got my back. With that, I'll, I'll pass to Heather. Thanks, Adam. Um, good morning, Crossroads. Uh, you know, I am truly a blessing, blessed to be here today. You know, like Adam, I have a past. I'm an only child, and when I was four months old, I was adopted by my parents that I have today. And for a long time, I, you know, questioned why did my mom give me up? She never even gave me a chance, you know. And over the course of years and everything I've been through, that was probably one of the most heroic things she could have done for me, you know, to give me a better life. Um, I was born and raised in a church, Presbyterian, went to church every Sunday, Bible classes, vacation Bible school, youth groups. And, um, you know, I was taught that, like, my God was going to be a punishing God that there was a heaven and there was a hell and 
you know, if you didn't do certain things that you weren't going to make it to heaven. And um, I had a lot of problems. Um, I was bullied a lot growing up in school. I was in special ed classes from the time I was probably in third grade until I graduated. Um, I had a lot of problems with reading and, and math and stuff. So at a very young age, I was already not good enough. And um, it was rough because in school, we were the special classes we were in, we had a separate curriculum, we had a separate lunch time, we were so segregated from the Main Street kids. We even ate lunch in the cafeteria by ourselves. So, um, and I can remember my mom and dad going to the school board to fight that I was allowed to go on a field trip with the regular fifth graders, you know, because we were in special ed classes. So from a very early age, I struggled with abandonment self-esteem and you know why is God doing this to me I was a good kid um you know and when I hit probably 11 years old I took my first drink of alcohol and I loved it because I felt out of myself you know I could be whatever you wanted me to be when I took that first drink and that set me on a path of destruction self-destruction. I had no God in my life when I took that first drink. Um, I put him up on a shelf and I used him as a convenience store. When he was convenient to be in my life, I relied on God. Um, I'm not going to take you through all the war stories. I mean, um, but I didn't get, I didn't draw a sober breath until I was 27 years old. And um, like Adam, I lost a lot. I lost relationships. I lost jobs. I lost myself, and I lost the God that I had. I didn't really have a God. Um, I lived on the streets of downtown Pittsburgh. I was homeless, and um, I look back at it today like, you know, I wake up every day in a, in a house. You know, I wake up every day with the roof over my head, you know. And um, through the, my course of drinking and, and the other stuff that I did, you know, my first husband and I got together, and there was a lot of abuse in that relationship. And um, I, you know, I fled. And when I went, this is another reason when I had an issue with God, I went to my minister at that time, and I told him, you know, my husband is very abusive to me. He's like, well, pray about it, go get help, go to counseling. If you get a divorce, Jesus is going to be mad at you. So, you know, but I fled. You know, it was fleet or my, or my life. I fled. Um, I also went to my minister when I was drinking very badly. And I said to him, I think I have an alcohol problem. I need help. He said, don't drink and grow up and be a woman. So... I walked away from churches. I walked away from ministers because you're not going to help me anyway. So, um, you know, I always struggled with the God aspect because I'm the type of person, if I can't see you, touch you, or feel you, you don't exist. You know, but yet 
How does the sun come up every morning? How's the grass green every day, you know? Um, I got sober when I was 27 years old. Um, um, by the grace of God, I have 24 years of sobriety. And, to, and today's the day before my 52nd birthday. And um, I never thought I'd make it to 30, you know? I was, I was so bad into my alcoholism and addiction that, like, my family didn't speak to me. And there was just so much drama and, and chaos that I had caused. But when I look back, God was present in every incident. You know, God always brought me back, and I never knew that's who brought me back. So, um, you know, I got sober, and then my dad, you know, he had his problems, and he got really sick. Um, and, um, you know, I had to rely on God, you know, because it was just me and my mom taking care of him. And, um, you know, me having the God of my understanding, I was able to accept him passing away because I know that wasn't a punishment for me for anything I've done. And he's better off, you know. His birthday was just a couple of days ago. He would have been 80 years old. And, um, you know, we're coming up on his six-year anniversary. And, you know, my mom and I, we just went to the cemetery, I think, last Friday. And, you know, that's how I have to celebrate his birthdays now. But, um, you know, um, I was able to be there. I was able to be a daughter. I was able to be there for my mom to make decisions, you know. I was able to be there and tell my dad that I love him and I'm going to be okay, you know. So as all this is going on, I'm in the process. My second husband and I are, it wasn't, it was a marriage of convenience for the both of us, I believe. Um, there was a lot of mental and and controlling abuse that went on in that relationship and um, I left that marriage and I was okay leaving sober and thinking well God's going to be mad at me he's going to punish me that's okay you know and then um, God put Adam into my life you know and we've been together it'll I don't two two and a half years two years I can't remember, but we'll be together for a while. Um, and, you know, I kept telling him there's something missing. Like, I, I don't feel that closeness with God, you know, that I had at one, when I got first got sober. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And I said, I want to go. Let's find our own church where we can feel welcome. Well, I knew Pastor Floyd for a little while prior to this because my AA home group at the time was at, at this church and I was the secretary of that group so I was like the go-between of the group and Pastor Floyd like if we had an event or anything you know so I knew about Crossroads and I knew Pastor Floyd a little bit and you know so one day Adam and I we were like let's just go Let's just get up and go, you know. And, um, no, I'm sorry, let me back up. So Adam and I were, like, trying to find ourselves, you know. And Pastor Floyd, this was a God moment, out of the blue, texted me. Said, hey, you know, this might be weird, but um, how would you and Adam like to meet for dinner? I just want to get to talk to you. 
I got a couple things I want to run past you. Now, prior to this, Adam and I were thinking about starting some type of recovery group, life recovery Bible group, or some, you know, to give thanks to what we have today. So we met at Eaton Park down on 51, and I think three and a half hours later, <laughs> we just, it was amazing. I mean, I never had a pastor talk to me like a human being, you know, didn't talk down to me, didn't judge me for the decisions I made, didn't judge us for the relationship we were building. There was none of that. And we're halfway through our meal, and he looked at us, and I still like it, the chills when I think about it. He says, have you guys thought about a life recovery Bible study? <laughs> Him and I just looked at each other like, because we had been talking about this. So we, you know, and he says, you don't have to come to my church. You never have to step foot into Crossroads. So we ended up coming, and we were sitting, that's our table. Um, we were here about 15, 20 minutes. I looked at him. He looked at me. He said, we found our home. You know, um, I can't say enough about this church. I mean, God brought me here. There's nothing that happens today in my life, you know. Um, I don't have any children of my own. I wasn't able to because when I was 20, right after I got sober, I had a form of cervical cancer. So I had to have, you know, and they were like, you'll never have kids. Um, my second my second husband, he had grown children and they've had kids. So long story short, I have a granddaughter. Um, I've brought her to church a few times. Her name's Peyton Dawn. She is 11 years old, going on 22. And um, I tell you what, her and her mom and dad, Mikey and Kayla, they have done nothing but loved me through everything. You know, um, She's in my life today. Like when I left that marriage and that relationship, they never said, well, you're done. You know, we will never talk to you again. And that's God, you know. Um, Peyton Dawn has never seen me drunk or high, never. And by the grace of God, she never will. Um, she's a blessing. She has a love for God and Jesus. I bring her here and she loves Pastor Floyd. You know, I think I'll have her next weekend. At, and um, first thing out of her mouth is Sunday morning. Are we going to see Pastor Floyd and Christy? I'm like, yeah, we're going to go, you know. Um, so that's like the unconditional love. Like, you know, and Peyton's dad is my ex-husband's son. So, you know, for him to be like, I support your decision. And, you know, I mean, they love Adam. They, you know. They're, they're at our house a lot. I mean, they drop Peyton off, and they don't even call to be like, are you bringing her home, you know? I mean, they just leave her, and they know she's going to get treated really well, you know? Um, my mom, God bless her, she's 79. She has rheumatoid arthritis, and, you know, she's the light of my world, you know? And um, she's so happy that I have a God of my life, you know? And it's nice because I, the people I surround myself are Christians. Like, I can talk to one of my girlfriends and, is there a God moment in your life, you know? Um, Adam and I, we meet here Thursday nights at 7.07, and we do our life recovery Bible study. And um, 
it's not just for alcoholics and addicts. Um, what I like about the life recovery is it can be whatever you're struggling with in life. You know, whether it's gambling or financial or whatever. And we have, there's, you know, we follow along in the Bible. There's Bible verses. I think last week we read Deuteronomy chapter 30, you know, and then we discuss it and, and we apply that to our our life at that time. So I'm very fulfilled with that, you know. Um, Crossroads is my home. You know, you guys are my family. I don't know all of you as well, but I'm sure as time goes on, you know. Mm. Unfortunately, we won't be able to stay and eat soup today because my mom's having my birthday dinner for me today because tomorrow's my birthday. So this is Thanks. This is my last day of being 51. So, you know, um, I, te I was teasing Adam. I says, you're going to go, you'll fall asleep tonight with a 51-year-old and wake up with a 52-year-old tomorrow. You know? um, but I'm blessed. I mean, you know, <laughs> I knew you two would like. <laughs> um, you know, like everybody here is so welcoming, you know, I, and I even say this outside of Crossroads. I have never walked into a church that has had so much God in their service and the worship we do and how we're in the Bible. I mean, and how Pastor Floyd and Christy are the most non-judgmental people I have ever met. You know, because I'm walking into a church after two marriages. You know, I mean, I'm I'm doomed. I'm done. You're, you don't even come into our church. And they were like, "Come on in, have a seat." You know, and I've like I feel I can come to anybody at any time here, and just say, "Help me, I'm struggling." You know, and um, my dad always says, "When God's done, you have nothing else to say." So I guess I'm done. So <laughs> thanks, Crossroads. Thanks, Crossroads. So um, as the band comes up, yeah, we're going to sing. A uh, okay. couple of things really quick. You guys stay oh. seated for a minute. A couple of things really quick. Uh, first and foremost, because Heather has a birthday coming up, uh, when we finish, we will do that birthday thing. Um, we're not going to ask her to stand on a chair, but we will do that birthday <laughs> thing. Uh, the other thing is that, um, and Adam pointed this out, I pointed this out, nobody needs a $300,000 car. Mm -mm. We want one. Nobody needs one. Absolutely. It would be really cool to have one. But, <laughs> <laughs> and here's the other thing. Uh, how many years sober? 24. How many years sober? Uh, almost three. And that's worth praising God for. <laughs> Definitely. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And before we sing, we're going to uh, just pray for them. Would you guys stand real quick? God, we thank you so much for Adam and for Heather. We thank you so much uh, for bringing them into uh, our congregation and into our church family. We thank you so much for moving them from places of seeking after the things of the world to being recipients of your amazing love. Yes, Lord. And we thank you so much that they devote their love now to helping others do the same thing. We pray that you would continue to bless them, strengthen them, encourage them, and we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 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 amen.